Bibles with me tonight. Let's go tonight to the book of 1 Corinthians and the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians. And uh, I, am, I want to share some things with you tonight from, from this chapter. 1 Corinthians 12 and, uh, and 14 are chapters that many pastors and churches um, omit from their preaching and teaching. Chapter 13, we're all familiar with chapter 13 because 1 Corinthians 13 is the love chapter. It's the chapter about, about having love and being motivated by love and letting everything we do um, be in love. But chapter 12 deals with the body of Christ, the church as a body, but it also deals with, Paul teaches on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the nine spiritual gifts. Chapter 14, that entire chapter 14, Paul talks about the proper use of those gifts within the church, particularly tongues. And um, so the whole chapter, chapter 14, deals with the proper use and the misuse of tongues within the church. And uh, so anyway, there's a lot of debate upon the, uh, uh, in the church world today on the gifts of the Spirit. And so I want to I minister tonight and, uh, and next Sunday night as well uh, on six reasons why spiritual gifts have not ceased. And I won't cover all six of them tonight. I'm, I'm hoping to do three, okay? Can we handle that? Amen. Amen. If I can get, get through three, I'll be good. But uh, six reasons why the gifts of the Spirit, the spiritual gifts of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, have not ceased or been removed from the church. I will be the first to admit that I don't believe those gifts are being manifested or in operation in the church as they should be, but they have not been removed by the Holy Spirit. So I want to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning with verse number 1, and let's read together tonight from the Word of God. Now, Concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. So that's what we need. That's why we're talking about this, because Paul wants us to know. He doesn't want us to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. Verse number 7, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another 
gifts of healings, and notice the plurality there, gifts, plural, of healings by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, discerning of spirits, to another, different kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. Who distributes them? The Holy Spirit does. And the Holy Spirit distributes distributes these gifts as He wills. Amen? Not as as we will, but as He wills. So uh, then look at verse, the last verse of that 12th chapter, verse 31, says this, But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I showed you a more excellent way. And then drop on over to chapter 14 uh, and verse number 1, and Paul says, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. So let's talk about these gifts tonight, and I've taught on the gifts, so I'm not going to deal as much with the gifts and what the gifts are as we are going to talk about the fact that they are still within the church today. Father, we thank you for your word tonight, and we ask for your anointing to help us to teach the word of God, that you would open the ears of your people, your church, open your ears, let us have ears to hear and hearts to receive and to understand what you are, are attempting, Lord, through the Word of God to get to us and to, to speak to us. And I will thank you for doing that tonight in the name of Jesus. And God, our desire is for these gifts of the Holy Spirit to function and operate within this local church. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Paul lists nine different spiritual gifts there. And um, in, that, in that 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians, I've talked about this before as far as the gifts. They are, there are nine gifts that are, that are divided into actually three different categories of gifts. There are the revelation gifts, which are the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. Those three gifts are revelatory, a revelation gifts that cause us to reveal, it reveals the, the mind of God to us as the Spirit wills. And then there are the uh, power gifts. We like to talk about the power gifts. The power gifts are the gifts of healings, the working of miracles, and the gift of faith, which is special faith. The gift of faith is not just saving faith or general faith that we use to believe God on a day-to-day basis, but the spiritual gift of faith is a special faith. In many translations, modern translations, will translate it that way, that it's special faith. And then the third gift, those are the power gifts. Those are the gifts that, of, God, of the Holy Spirit that, that do something and manifest God's power within the church. And then the third category of gifts are the vocal gifts or the gifts of utterance. 
And we're more familiar with those gifts of utterance than we are the other gifts because it seems like those utterance gifts are the ones that are more frequently manifested in the church today. But the gifts of utterance are the gift of diverse kinds of tongues, different kinds of tongues, the interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. And so those are the categories of gifts that the Lord has spoken about here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and that He's put within the church. But there are many today that would argue that the spiritual gifts that are listed there are just not for the church today. And uh, they are known as cessationists, those that believe and teach that the gifts have ceased and that those gifts ceased with the death of the original 12 apostles. They teach that the only ones that had those gifts that were able to operate in those gifts or to confer those gifts were the 12 apostles and that when the last of those 12 apostles died, the gifts were gone and they died as well. And so they're called cessationists, that the the gifts have ceased. They make the assertions and they they, they make these assertions and they give uh, a lot of vague theological explanations why they believe that this is true. However, when it comes to this issue, we must settle this issue by what the Word of God says, not by what we think or what we uh, personally believe, but we have to go to the Bible. Anything that we need an answer uh, you know, from God, we go to the Scripture. I believe the Scripture has the answer, don't you? Amen? And so the issue must be settled by the Word of God. So what does the Bible have to say about the gifts and about the continuation of the gifts of the Spirit listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 through chapter 14. Now we are here at Abundant Life Family Church, what I guess you would say we are a Pentecostal church and Pentecostal is not a denomination. Pentecostal, I got in trouble about that one time, you know. I was talking about false accusations this morning. But anyway, um, the Pentecost, every time I preach on Pentecost now, I have to make a disclaimer that I'm not preaching about a denomination. But Pentecost is an experience. Pentecost is the receiving of, believing in and the receiving of the baptism with the Holy Spirit, with the initial physical evidence of speaking in other tongues. So we are a Pentecostal church, but we are a full gospel church. What does it mean to be a full gospel church? A full gospel church is a church that believes the full gospel. Amen. That makes sense, doesn't it? That we believe everything that is in this book. And we believe that it is for everything in that New Testament that was given to us by the Lord, that was given to that New Testament church as far as today. Because I believe that the pattern for the 21st century church is the 1st century church. The only pattern that we have for worship and for the church is that 1st century church. So um, that's what we are here at Abundant Life. We are a full gospel, Pentecostal, Bible-believing, spirit-filled, tongue-talking church. Bunch of believers, all right? Amen. And so, so um, 
so that's what we are. And so I want to talk about that, about these gifts, because I really personally believe, and I believe the Bible bears this out, and we'll talk about this in a moment, that God, the Spirit of God, the Lord, wants these gifts operating today. We need these nine gifts of the Spirit in the church today. We definitely need them. And so my objective and purpose in these messages is to, is to show us from the Word of God that those spiritual gifts are for the church today. And a lot of people are afraid of them and they, they, they call it wildfire and different things. And, and uh, you know, they think that, no, we're, we're way off the deep end and everything. But there's been a lot of misconception and misrepresentation of these spiritual gifts but we need them today. We need them in the church. And I'm going to show you why. But there are the first reason that I want to, that I want to give you tonight, and you might want to write these down, but because there are going to be six of them. I'll try to do three of them tonight. But the reason, the first reason why these gifts will continue, and I believe until the Lord Jesus comes back for His church, the first reason is this. And that is that God gave spiritual gifts to the church for the purpose of strengthening the church. The purpose of these gifts is to strengthen and edify and build up the church. Paul leaves no doubt here in his writings concerning the purpose of these spiritual gifts that each one of these nine gifts is given to the church to strengthen it and to build it up. They're not detrimental unless they're misused and abused, but they are given to build up the church. Look what he said in verse number 7. We're still there. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he said this, that the manifestation of the Spirit, and he, he, he explained what the manifestation of the Spirit was, the manifestation, he went on then to tell in verses 8 through 11 what the manifestation of the Spirit was. It was those nine gifts. But he says in verse 7, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. So he's saying there that these spiritual gifts are given to the church so that by those gifts the church will Profit. What does it mean? I'm not talking about profit as a person that prophesies. The word profit there is P-R-O-F-I-T, and it means what? When you profit, it means that you're, it's doing you some good. If something profits you, it's helping you. It's blessing you. It's doing you some good. And so the Scripture said that these gifts are given for the profit of all. The NIV says it this way. The NIV says that the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. The common good. So to profit means to do somebody some good. Amen? So these gifts are given, Paul said, for the purpose of strengthening, blessing, helping, empowering the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now Paul reaffirms the purpose of spiritual gifts in, uh, over in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. If you want to look at that verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse number 26. Look what Paul says here. How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each one of you, and notice that, each one of you, 
Everybody can have a place. Everybody in the body of Christ can have a place in this ministry, all right? He said, when you come together, each one of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Notice this, notice this. Let all things be done for edification. Let all things be done for what? Edification. What does edification mean? It means to build something up. It's to build an edifice, to construct a building or a structure. So every, every one of these gifts, Paul said, when we come together and our, these gifts are operating, they're, they, the, everything is to be done for the edifying of the church. Again, the NIV says for, uses the word strengthening, that all things are done for the strengthening of the church. Now, because God gave spiritual gifts to strengthen the church, and I think, do, do, do you all agree with what I've said here? I mean, I've just showed you from the Bible. And because that the purpose of those gifts is to strengthen the church, healing, miracles, tongues, prophecy, all of these gifts were not confined to the apostles or just a few people of the first century. They were widely distributed throughout and across the church as a whole. When you study the Bible, you'll find out that, um, you know, in, in, in Romans chapter 12, prophecy is found there in the church of Rome. So there was prophecy going on in the church at Rome. In 1 Corinthians 12 and 10, we just read, uh, the, 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 the gifts of the Spirit are in operation. Prophecy is mentioned happening in Corinth. Ephesians 4 and 11, Paul mentions to that church at Ephesus about the ministry gift of the prophet. So prophecy was going on in Ephesians. In Thessalonica, Paul told that church at Thessalonica, do not despise prophesying. So there was prophecy going on there in the church at Thessalonica, in the church at Antioch. There were prophets and teachers at the church of Antioch besides the apostles. So, so here's my point is this, that, that we see these gifts operating throughout the entirety of the first century church, the New Testament church, in order to strengthen and to bless and to encourage the believers in the church, all right? So the value of spiritual gifts in strengthening the, strengthening the church is particularly true of the gift of prophecy. Now, what is the gift of prophecy? Does anybody, you know, we, we know what the gift... Yeah, boy, I tell you, see, now here I am. I'm about to get on a rabbit trail again, and I don't have time to do that. But... Um, but we have heard a lot of prophecy. There are a lot of YouTube prophets. Boy, it's quiet here tonight. A lot of YouTube prophets, and there's a lot of been a lot of prophesying going on, and people get the idea about prophecy that, well, prophecy is somebody that gets up and says, thus says, thus says the Lord, and begins to predict the future. And that's not the main use. The predominant use 
an operation of the gift of prophecy in the church that Paul's talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and, and the other places in the New Testament. There, are, there, are, there is a ministry of a prophet, but even the Old Testament prophets did not, their ministries, Jeremiah, Ezekiel and those, their ministries were not predominantly to predict the future. They're, the ministry of the prophets, especially Jeremiah, if you'll read and study Jeremiah and Isaiah, you'll find that that prophetic ministry was they were preaching to the people that were backslidden to call them back to God. Well, how many knows we need some prophets today that will get up and stand up and preach and call people back in these last days to the Lord? And so uh, prophecy, prophecy here, uh, the value of, the, of, those, of those gifts was the strengthening of the church. So look what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, 3 and 4. 1 Corinthians 14, 3 and 4. Paul says that everyone who prophesies speaks to men. Now I'm going to get ready to tell you what prophecy is. Everyone who prophesies speaks to men in the language that everybody there understands, okay, speaks to men for their strengthening, encouragement, comfort, and he who prophesies, verse 4 says, edifies the church. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. So what did Paul say the purpose of the gift of prophecy in the church was? He said that it was to edify, didn't he? to build up, to edify, to strengthen, to comfort. A word of prophecy. What you heard this morning when there was a... Sister um, Sharon gave out a word of prophecy. It was a word from the Lord to encourage. There was a message in tongues this morning and an interpretation. There was a message in tongues tonight and an interpretation. And, a, and tongues and with the interpretation in a public assembly is equal to prophecy. Amen. It's like having, you know, prophecies the dime or you can have two nickels and you still got ten cents. It equals the same thing. Amen. So, <laughs> so that's, what, that's, what, uh, that's what prophecy does. So a, a message in tongues that's interpreted where everybody understands what's said is equal to prophecy, but prophecy is given out in the church to build up, to strengthen, to encourage, and to edify the body. He didn't say there. He didn't say, Paul didn't say that, the, that this gift of prophecy was given to predict the future events. So we've had a lot of that, you know. The, 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 the YouTube has been full um, of, of coming up to the election. Then even after the election, people, guys prophesying that Donald Trump was going to be reelected and all this. And, and I mean, you know, people just got into this and I never just, I just didn't get into it. I just didn't get into it because, well, I, I, you know what I said about it? Here's the way I am about prophecy. And I've talked to you about this before. Prophecy that predicts the future. And somebody sends me a prophecy and says, this prophet says that this is going to happen. I said, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'll just set that on the shelf and pray over it. And if it happens, he was of God. And if it don't, he wasn't of God. That's just the way you do it. Amen? But that's not the main thing. Of course, we know that we found out that a lot of the prophets were not prophesying right. Because it didn't happen the way they prophesied that it was. So, the true gift of prophecy 
is for the strengthening of the church. I'm doing right now in preaching, like I did this morning in preaching, there is an element of prophecy in preaching the Word of God. Are you, are you hearing me? There's an element. I'm, I'm, because why? Why is there an element of prophecy in what I'm doing right now? It's because I'm speaking to you as a church in words that you can understand to edify you, to exhort you, to build you up, to comfort you and to strengthen you. I'm not standing up here predicting future events. Amen. If I were to do that, I could, I could preach from, uh, from Matthew chapter 24 about what Jesus said as concerning future events. And uh, I would be telling you what's going to happen in the future, but that wouldn't be coming from me. That'd be coming from the Bible. Now, I've gotten trouble over this. I've had people get mad at me and say, you don't believe in prophecy. And that's not true. There's another one of those false accusations. That's not true. I do believe in prophecy. I do believe there are true New Testament prophets. They're very few. And everybody that prophesies is not a true prophet. And I do believe in the simple gift of prophecy. But like I said, what I'm doing right now, what I did this morning, there's an element of prophecy there. There are times that I'm preaching. And I, listen, I study and I prepare and I get my scriptures together and I, I prepare my messages. And uh, somebody told me the other day, said, uh, some, another pastor told me, said, I never see you around town. You must sit in your office all the time. And I told Vicki, I said, well, you know, I guess I should have told him preaching don't come as easy to me as it does a lot of people. I actually have to study to get what I need from the Lord. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I study and prepare, and I'll get up here and begin to minister the Word and, and, and begin to preach, and I'll say things that I never thought that I would say. And I'm thinking, where did that come from? The Holy Spirit's given it. And I'm thinking, I didn't, I didn't even dream that I would say that. I never thought about saying that. And then after the service, someone would come up, you know, and say, man, I needed to hear that. And I didn't know what they had need of, but that was an element of prophecy coming forth from the preaching and teaching of the Word that edified them, strengthened them, encouraged them, comforted them. Are, are you with me? And so that's the purpose of these gifts. Paul said that, that the purpose of these gifts was to edify, comfort, encourage, and strengthen the body of Christ. So since edification is the primary purpose of the spiritual gifts, how in the world, in which I believe that it is, I believe that's what the Bible teaches, how could anyone come to the conclusion that the gifts have been taken out of the church today and are no longer needed? If those gifts were used of God to build up the church in the first century, why wouldn't those same gifts gifts be used of God to build up and strengthen and encourage the church in the 21st century. Huh? Does the modern day church today in 2021 need strengthening? Y'all act like you're really excited about this. 
Does the church today need strengthening? Are we, have we reached perfection? Or have we come to the place we don't need the preaching of the Word or the operation of the Holy Spirit or the gifts of the Spirit? Well, no. I tell you what, we need more, we need more strengthening and help today than they did in that first century. We need, that's what I'm saying. We need those gifts of the Holy Spirit in operation today within the body of Christ. Amen? See, these verses here about the purpose of spiritual gift force us to conclude that these gifts were meant to continue were meant to continue until the Lord Jesus Christ comes back for the church. Now, the Bible tells us, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13, that when that which is perfect is come, that which is in part will be done away with. That's when tongues shall cease and the gifts will no longer be needed. When the perfect age has come, the, 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 he wasn't talking about the completion of the canon of Scripture. He wasn't talking about that. When the perfect comes, we're not perfected yet. The perfect age won't come until the trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ rise and we're changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. That's when the perfect, we won't need, we won't need anything to strengthen us then. We'll be perfected in the presence of God. Woo, praise God. But until then, we need everything we can get from the Holy Spirit to make us the church that we need to be. Do you agree? Amen? I better move on. I'm going to get three of them done. Number two. So we've established that, okay? Reason number one, why I believe the gifts will continue in the church till Jesus returns is because God gave spiritual gifts for the purpose of strengthening the church and the church still needs strengthening today. Number two, God commanded and commands us to eagerly desire spiritual gifts. This is why I believe that they will continue because he commands us here, the church, to desire them. Three times, Paul says this, three times he commands the Corinthians to eagerly desire or to strive after the spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, 31. But earnestly desire the best gifts. 1 Corinthians 14, 1. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. 1 Corinthians 14, 39. Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy, and I love the last part, and do not forbid to speak with tongues. See, Paul did not tell them just to simply accept the gifts or to tolerate the gifts or put up with the gifts. He said for them to earnestly desire the gifts of the Spirit. And I think that's a problem today in the church because I don't think that we're earnestly desiring those spiritual gifts as we should. We can kindly take it or leave it. We're kindly at that place where we're passive about the gifts. We're kindly at that place where we say, well, uh, praise God, we'll just put up with it. If, it, if it, you know, if God does it, that's fine. But that's not what the Bible teaches. Amen? We are, we've come to that place as a church that we have become, we have come to that place where we're, 
we, we've got that passive attitude toward the spiritual gifts. We just really don't, don't desire them as much as we should. The, the, new, the King James Version, Paul uses, uh, the King James Version translation uses the word covet, to covet those gifts. And it's the only place, the only thing that I'm aware of that God tells us that he wants us to covet is to covet the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So what was the problem here with the Corinthian church? See, the problem in the Corinthian church was this. They had, they had God out of balance with the gifts and the Corinthians, the Corinthian believers uh, had just gone gift crazy. They'd gone gift crazy and they were misusing the gifts and the misuse of the gifts. Now here's the reason why Paul wrote the, the 14th chapter of 1 Corinthians was to give the proper use of the gifts of the Spirit within the church. The, the, there were serious problems in the Corinthian church because the gifts were being used and misused and it was out of control and it was out of order and there has to be, listen, the gifts of the Spirit will bless and edify the church as long as they're used properly as the Bible, as Paul lays down the guidelines in this 14th chapter of 1 Corinthians. Amen? Are you, are you still here? Amen. So we have to understand the proper way those gifts operate and use. That they had got, the Corinthian church had just gotten out of control with the gifts. They they just you know they'd come together to church and they would just everybody in the church was speaking in tongues. And well, you know you can't understand what they're saying. Paul don't have time to preach. He said people coming in, unbelievers are coming in and saying you're all nuts. <laughs> And I, that would be, amen? Listen, I've been in services in my, in my life. I didn't, just, I didn't just step into Pentecost a couple of years ago. I've, been, I've come up through the ranks in this. And I have been, I've, I've, I've traveled as an evangelist. I've been in different churches. And I have been in services, ladies and gentlemen, where the gifts were misused and abused. I was preaching a revival down in the boot hill many years ago when I first went on the evangelistic field. And there was a lady in that church that was overzealous with the gifts of the Spirit, with the gift of tongues especially. And uh, during the service, she would begin to, to, to speak and pray out loud in tongues as if it were a message, but it wasn't a message. It was her communicating with the Lord. But the Bible says if there's no interpretation, it's not a message... Keep that to yourself. Do it quietly, you and the Lord. But she would, she, she, would, she would be praying out loud in tongues and it went on and on and on and on and on without stopping. I mean, for, for well, I don't know. I didn't time her, but it seemed like an eternity. And the pastor didn't do anything. The pastor didn't say anything. I'm guest speaker there. I don't have any authority to get up and tell her to hush, say I'm be quiet. So I'm just sitting there. I'm sitting there thinking, is this ever going to end? And I was wondering if it was. But she was taking up the whole service doing that. And there was no interpretation. That, listen to me, that is out of order. That's what was going on in the Corinthian church. What should have been done about that? He would have probably lost her. 
but he should have taken her aside and taken her into his and explained to her, if you want to pray in the Spirit and pray in tongues, you and the Lord, that's fine. But that's not a message. There's a difference. Tongues, there's two purposes for tongues. There's the gift of tongues where a message is given to the church that is to be interpreted so everybody can be edified. But then there's the devotional part of tongues that is used for you by you to worship God in your own private prayer time. And that's an awesome thing to pray in the Holy Spirit and to pray in tongues. And, and uh, the Bible says that it builds up and edifies you when you do that. But, uh, but just to go on and on and on, and that's just an example. You know, I've, I've been in services where, 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 where every, it seemed like they prophesied. They just spent the whole service prophesying, giving personal prophecies over everybody in the church. There may be a time that the Lord will use the gift in that way to speak a word of confirmation to you through a personal prophecy. But, but people have made ministries out of that and they do it at every service and that's, that's, that's out of order. Well, I got one amen and a couple of, <laughs> couple of Church of Christ nods. So the gifts were out of control in the Corinthian church. But Paul's solution, I've got to get to number three. Paul's solution was not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Paul's solution to the problem in, in, in Corinth was not to abandon the gifts. Paul's solution was not, he didn't tell them to, to shut it down, no. But he told them to desire the gifts and to use them according to the guidelines that he had gave them in chapter number 14, in 12 through 14. So listen, much of the church today, much of the church today is in disobedience to the command of God when he says to desire spiritual gifts, to strive after spiritual gifts. And if we're passive about that, if the church is passive about the gifts uh, and we're not striving after them, then we're disobeying the command of the Lord. That's why I believe there's still... Why would he tell us to strive after them? if they weren't for us today. Are you with me? A lot of people are not just passive about it, but there, there are those that are even hostile toward full gospel Pentecostal churches that believe in the gifts of the Spirit. One major pastor and minister wrote a book called uh, Strange Fire. And directed it at Pentecostals, Charismatics, full gospel people and said that those operation of the gifts of the Spirit within those, those churches were strange fire, that it was not of God. And they're hostile because, you know, it's a dangerous thing to make statements like that. Has there been things, has there been things happen in full gospel, Pentecostal, Charismatic churches that were not of the Spirit of God? Yes. But does that mean everything that happens is not of the Spirit of God? No. And that's why you have to discern between the good and the bad. And you got to, you know, 
eat the hay and spit out the sticks. <laughs> We're not going to spit you out, all right? Oh, praise the Lord. So the reason Paul commanded Christians to eagerly desire the spiritual gifts was because they were valuable in building up the church. And if they're valuable then, then they're valuable now, and they're still available today. So let's do number three, and then we'll let you go home on this um, Daylight Savings Time Sunday night. (laughs) Number three, why I believe the gifts of the Spirit will continue until Jesus comes. Number three, God commanded us not to forbid speaking in tongues. Is that what he said? I read it to you, 1 Corinthians 14, 39. Do not forbid to speak with tongues. <laughs> I was asked to preach at a, at a Free Will Baptist church one time, and, and uh, someone said, uh, <laughs> somebody said, what are you going to preach about? And I said, I think I'll preach on, I think, my God, I speak with tongues more than y'all. <laughs> Well, I was kidding. I didn't go in there and try to preach to them that, hey, I'm a tongue talker and you need to be. I preached, I found common ground where we could all agree. That was something we could all agree on and preached on that. And we had a shouting time. Amen. Those free will Baptists, amen, me better than a lot of Pentecostals. <laughs> all right. God commands us here in the Word of God not to forbid speaking in tongues. The gift of tongues, speaking in tongues, is the most controversial of all of the gifts of the Spirit in the church today. And that was also true in the Corinthian church in the first century simply because that gift was being misused in the church. Now, I mentioned how that can happen. But because of the fact that the gift of tongues was so controversial and was so abused, then you would think that Paul might tell the Corinthians to stop speaking in tongues. Don't do that anymore. Put an end to that. But Paul said just the opposite, didn't he? He said, do not forbid to speak with tongues. So when a, when a pastor or anybody else forbids speaking in tongues in a church service, and again, I'm qualifying this with the fact that everybody's not just to speak out at the same time. Everybody's not to pray in tongues, out loud, at the same time, unless it's during a, a worship time when you're not disturbing anybody else and you're worshiping God. But for you just to get up and to start praying in tongues and disrupting a service is out of order. It's not in order. 
I think we all know that. But, but, but Paul didn't tell them to not do it. He didn't tell them to stop it. But he said just the opposite. He said, do not, forgive, for, do not forbid to speak with tongues. So, you know, whether people like it or whether they don't like it, the Bible commands us not to forbid folks to speak in tongues. As a matter of fact, I encourage it. I believe that every born-again believer should, that is saved and washed in the blood should receive the Holy Spirit with the, the gift of speaking in tongues because it will do you good. Amen. Praise God. Whether you ever speak in a church service out loud, whether you ever have the gift of tongues to give a message you may never have. You might, you might not. I've, I've, I've been filled with the Holy Ghost. I couldn't tell you how many years. And I think I've only given, I can count on one hand how many messages in a church service in tongues I've given. God uses me in the gift of interpretation of tongues, but just once or twice, three times at the most in my ministry, have I, have I actually given a message in tongues. Amen. But I can tell you this, I communicate with with God and pray in my prayer closet and fellowship with the Lord and speak in tongues every single day of my life because it's communication between me and the Heavenly Father. The Bible said, Paul said that when we pray in an unknown tongue, our spirit prays, our understanding is unfruitful, but if I pray in an unknown tongue, it edifies me. It's, it's my hotline. It's your it's your direct hotline to the Heavenly Father. You don't understand what you're saying, but the Father does. Because tongues, let me tell you something, tongues, speaking in tongues is not jibber-jabber and it's not gibberish. And People need to be careful about what they say about speaking in tongues because speaking in tongues are languages that are given by the Holy Spirit and, and God understands them. Their tongues, Paul said there are tongues of men and tongues of angels and praise God there's one thing about it when you're praying in your prayer closet and talking to the Lord in that in that language that prayer language he's given you God knows what you're saying but the devil can't get in on the conversation praise God it's coded language that the devil don't know what you're saying and it builds you up and it edifies you and it builds up your holy your your, your most holy faith praying in the Holy Ghost thank God I do not forbid people but I encourage you to get filled with the Spirit and receive the, 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 the prayer language of the Holy Spirit Woo! hallelujah amen It'll do you good worship team come on back hallelujah Hallelujah. Man, it's only 622. Could have kept going. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, if we're going to set aside part of the New Testament as being no longer valid for today, then we've got to have a specific text, a specific verse are verses in the Bible that definitely tells us that that particular, that particular command has been nullified. 
But we don't find anywhere in the New Testament where Paul ever, the command of Paul has ever been nullified anywhere to forbid not to speak in tongues. Listen to me, abundant life. We desperately, these last days, desperately need these spiritual gifts within the church, in the body of Christ. We've got to thirst and hunger for them and desire them and crave them if we want to see them manifested today. And we need them. I pray, maybe not every day, but regularly for God to manifest, for God to let those gifts manifest and be operative here at Abundant Life Family Church and be done decently. I had a, a, a person tell me today that started coming here how much they appreciated the order in which everything was was done here in Abundant Life Family Church. The order of the operation of the gifts of the Spirit. And it, and it, and it was, it's, 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 you know, there was, there was messages, a message in tongues this morning, an interpretation. Brother Charlie, by the Holy Spirit, just began to sing a psalm, a hymn in the church that blessed everyone. That was edification. What did Paul say? When you come together, everyone has a, has a, has a revelation or a hymn or a prophecy or a word from the Lord. Let everything be done to edifying in the building up of the body of Christ. Amen. So if you get filled with the Holy Spirit, get your prayer language, get in your prayer closet and pray in tongues to the Father and edify yourself. When you come to church, you'll be able to edify somebody else and edify the body. Amen. I can't edify you if I'm not edified. So that's why I spend time in the presence of God before I come to church. I'm not one of these that runs around all Saturday night. Here I go again. I'm, you know, that's why nobody sees me. I'm a, I'm a recluse. <laughs> but I like to be at home on Saturday night. Why? So I'm thinking about Sunday. I'm meditating on the service. I'm praying, sitting there, going over my message, meditating on the scriptures, meditating on my outline, asking the Lord to move and bless, trying to prepare my heart and trying to get to bed early. Went to bed at 10.30 last night, then I run the clock up and it was really 11.30. Because Sunday morning, I get up, I get up early. I got to spend time. I got to spend time with the Lord. That's just me. I can't do it in myself. Amen. But we need to get filled with the Spirit, pray in the Spirit in our private prayer time, and then come together as a body of believers and allow the Holy Spirit to use us in an orderly way to edify the church. Let's stand tonight. Praise God.